Welcome everyone to Breaking Into Security. We'll have the intro music now and then we'll get started. cybersecurity. I like this new setup. Uh, I think I should come here often. I love this studio. Um, Welcome anytime. <laughs> today we have Ryan Lyric, who has previously been a guest on with his book. Uh, I helped him write a book. Uh, what was the book about? Well, so it's about understanding, managing, and measuring cybersecurity risk. A long title. <laughs> and when we were writing it, we wanted to call it something a little more uh, cheeky, like risky fitness. But the, <laughs> the publisher decided, let's be a little more practical and call it what it is. So it's actually understanding, managing, and measuring risks, which gives a point of view on how to understand, manage, and measure cybersecurity risk. <laughs> and who is this book written for? It's really written for two audiences, right? The first is sort of the new in your role manager, you know, CISO or uh, director of IT, information security, right? To understand what the problems are that you, you know, that, how to understand the problem, how to kind of wrap your mind around a, a simple and easy way to manage it, right? But the biggest key is like, if, if you've got number one right, which is understanding, you've got number two right, which is like, you've got a management, you know, practice around it. The real important part is third, are you measuring it properly? And, you know, the, the industry is sort of struggling a lot with you know, performance indicators, you know, straight math, you know, and just regular <laughs> measures and metrics, right? But the real area we focus on is, is just, are you measuring the right risk? And are you able to sort of understand where that is and buy it down? So it really focuses on those three things for, for the CISO um, type or the, uh, in the CISO role. The other audience is, it's actually wildly useful for, or for those that are just trying to understand what cybersecurity is and why it matters. So the beauty is it's written in two parts. The first part applies to almost everybody. And the second part is really the part that applies to the, the, the sizzle role. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah and I had a, a great time advising you on the book and ensuring that some of the common frameworks that are used uh, could be brought in and standardized so that you're using the same lexicon that they're using as well. Indeed. And that was wildly helpful. So personally, thank you once again <laughs> for, for helping with that. Because the reality is like no one framework fits any one organization well at all, right? But that's not the point. The point is to know what frameworks are available to get started, right? So if you know what problem it is you're trying to solve for, then you can think, okay, well, what's the appropriate framework, right? And this is where Chris came in really wildly helpful to say, all right, well, look, here's a, a variety that are out there. And if you're in this industry, this might fit for you. You know, um, if you're in this, this other one, it depends. It doesn't have to be industry. You know, it's kind of the kind of industry agnostic outside of the specific energy ones. Um, but you get a framework to say, all right, I know where to begin. And then from there, and this is the beauty of frameworks, right? You then can adapt it 
adopted to the enterprise and adopted to how you want to manage your risk. So yeah, that was wildly helpful to sort of think through some of those frameworks and put them in place. And our feedback we've gotten on that mm -hmm. has been great. In fact, um, somebody just posted uh, the other day, <laughs> read this and it helps solve 80% of your security problems. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's talking about the 80-20 rule, go right ahead with that. Precisely, yeah. So, but that's, I mean, you focus on the, the major piece is just sort of the management, right? If you have it under, under control, not under control, no one ever has anything under control, right? But if you have a sense that you've, you've identified the big pieces, right, and you're, and you're focused on the big pieces, that gives you time to see the anomalies that show up. Like, oh, I didn't have this in my matrix or in my plan or in my framework. If it shows up once or twice, like, oh, this is the thing that's pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Does it fit? Do I need a new category? So wildly helpful. Yeah. Oh, that's great news. And I know since the last time we spoke, um, you have other great news. You, you, you started a, a new startup, uh, Nuvic. Um, what, what sort of audience is that targeted to? Yeah, perfect. Uh, so we did. There's there's a handful of us that came together and decided to plant the flag and, and go. Uh, the beauty is we focus on three major areas, right? Um, it's sort of, it meets sort of the triad of security, right? At the top, naturally, there's integrated risk management, right? Am I doing the right things for my program? But supporting that are two very critical functions of uh, assessments, right, that we do and effectively advance security, right? So uh, cloud infrastructure is a big piece that we're actually focused on. Um, you know, you know some of the team members that are over there, uh, so they're crushing it right now and just identifying some of the big pieces in, in cloud that really when we, when we push to deploy, uh, you know, any cloud infrastructure as any part of like tech, you know, you know, you, uh, management sort of uh, increase, right? Um, there are some classic problems that always show up, just hands down, right? Secrets management, key management, things along those lines. I just the access management. I, I, yeah, <laughs> logging. I mean, how many times do you talk to, you know, somebody in information security, especially at that sort of C-level, CISO level, and says, my business units are just out there like swiping a credit card and spinning up a cloud instance without understanding the architecture. The SOC has no you know, ability to actually see it. So there's no logging capability, right? It's like, you know, a, a good friend of mine once said, it's like opening a magic door into your into your network <laughs> that didn't exist like two hours ago. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a big area of focus for us because you know, we spend time in that space. Like, okay, look, in, 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 a, in less than a couple of days, we can quickly identify what the issues are, right? And help you kind of you know, understand what they are, understand why they matter, and then get this pushed into your corporate environment and your deployment process, right? Or at least in your communications, your policies and procedures, because, you know, <laughs> some organizations are very federated and they don't want to, you know, yeah. they, there's there's always the organizational construct that you have to play with there. Um, but we focus on that area to sort of help bring them in and, and, and help solve the problems very quickly uh, and then move on. So the other area that we also focus on is training, right? So we look at it like this, like, look, if you're, if you're understanding, if you're having trouble in understanding, managing and measuring, you know, your, your problem, um, we can help in that area. If you're, you know, if you're struggling any sort of, uh, you know, tech refresh or any sort of um, tech advancement that you're working on, namely cloud, um, even, well, we won't go down the crypto side and other advanced pieces, <laughs> but we're very squarely in that as well. If you're a more mature organization and you don't have the skills or the talent, right, and you want to get from where you are now to where you want to go, the third area we focus a lot on is training. Um, and quite frankly, we we didn't think it was going to take off as well as, as it did. So we always thought, look, 
most organizations are starting to hire right now and put people in place that can do the certain things. So maybe, you know, training at large will be sort of a, you know, won't be necessarily the first thought. It might be the second thought, Mm -hmm. right? Turns out the opposite, right? I mean, given the dearth of talent, I mean, you know, (laughs) this plays squarely into how to break into cybersecurity. There's not enough talent out there. I think um, Ian's just put out um, a number the other day, and I'm going to get this slightly wrong, but the order of magnitude, well, the order of magnitude will be right, but, you know, roughly about 50% of CISOs right now, and they don't have the talent that they need. And so that's half half of those that are in charge at the corporate, at the C-level, right, um, the executive level, in charge of security that don't have the talent that they need. So two things are happening there. One, very trying to advance skills, capabilities to get into organizations to do it. So the good news is there's plenty of work out there, <laughs> right? When when you're in the organization and you either can't recruit or can't find the talent, this is where our training piece really comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we focus on a number of areas, but primarily SDLC training, right? Secure software development lifecycle, DevSecOps, right? But primarily in the key components that matter there, it's so like threat modeling, right? And areas like that. So will we come in and develop to work with the developers to train them on, all right, look, think through the threats that, you know, whatever it is that you're developing your application or um, whatever the case might be, right, that we'll focus on, all right, here's the threats that you are likely to find. Here's the misuse of the application, mm-hmm. right, but also um, how to develop it properly so there aren't vulnerabilities. So there's two mm-hmm. aspects. Of it. So that's kind of where we focus on those three main things. So thinking about, like, those three areas, so let's just imagine say two years in the future, you have so much more work. Um, you need to hire your own talent. You can't find them. How would you create a pipeline to create the talent that you need from someone just coming out of college, ensuring that they have that core base of skills to at least start working and then create that training, that consistent training on uh, so that they could get to the level that you need them at? Yeah, that's great. One key word of advice that I would always give anybody looking to break in the security is follow your passion, right? Because what we look at right off the bat at the, you know, at the sort of, let's just call it the, you know, early career side, Mm -hmm. right? Because we focus a lot on the advanced side, but early career gets to advanced, right? Advanced a while ago was early career. So the key is the the two things that are wildly important um, to those in security are attitude and aptitude. Okay. At, at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. We can get in the, the, the skills and the core uh, skill sets that are needed in order to, to, to fill certain roles. But in the beginning, it starts with attitude and aptitude, which is to say, what do you want to do? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's largely when we're interviewing and talking to people, the first thing we start with is, what do you want to do? And which is really interesting because you <laughs> people don't know. Well, there is that, right? And there's also the aspect of they don't want to get it wrong. Yeah. The beauty of security, I mean, honestly, okay, you know, this is where you put the caveat of like, you know, the opinions of Brian aren't the opinions of everybody in the field. But the reality is you can't necessarily get it wrong because it's what you want to do. So right. who is it for somebody else to tell you that, um, that you know, this is what you should be doing? Well, okay, if it matches what you want to be doing, sure, that makes a ton of sense, right? Yeah. If, it, if it doesn't match what you want to be doing, you're just going to wind up not enjoying your you know, your career in the first place, right? Yeah. So if you focus on what you want to do first, now you've got the, you know, effectively the attitude, mm-hmm. right? Which is a key motivator for yeah. most people, right? It's like, I want to be doing this. Great. Then the second piece is 
aptitude. Are you able to actually do it? Um, chances are pretty good. If you really want to do it, you're going to figure out a way to do it. And that's where things start. And then if that's sort of the baseline, right, then Chris, from there, you really look at, okay, now what do you want to get into? And, the, you know, there's a myriad of different splits that people like to do. We look at it from attack defense standpoint. Mm -hmm. Do you want to attack things, right? <laughs> you want to tear them apart and effectively figure out how they break? Or do you want to watch what the attacker is doing and defend against it? Or look at your, look at your infrastructure, your application, whatever the case might be, and actually harden it in a resilient way so that defendants can't get in. And then from there, then you get into, okay, you know, SOC, red teaming, right? Um, you know, reverse engineering. On the defense side, you get, um, excuse me, you get into, you know, the, um, you know penetration testing uh, for defense, right? You get into uh, hardening, you know, SDLC, right? Hardening applications for security purposes, right? And there's a whole myriad of things, but that's sort of the start. And then we can get very heavily into the skill sets themselves at that point. But that's sort of the initial, uh, well, heck, I'll say framework. Since, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if, if we call this a framework, attack, defend, and then I would say infrastructure. Um, if we were to say, look at cloud, how would you recommend that they approach that? Do you recommend that they start with infrastructure, move on to defend, and then move on to attack? Or start with infrastructure, then go, huh, um, let me try to break it, and then let me try to defend it because I knew how I broke it. Yeah, good. Let me start by saying this. A lot of advice out there starts with like, well, what do you want to do in five years, mm -hmm. right? I mean, can you tell me anybody that really honestly, one, knew what they wanted to do in five years, and two, or two, followed it if they did know? I did. <laughs> you did? Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in terms of a specific skill set, yes. you, you wanted security. I, I, I knew I wanted security. Yeah. I knew I wanted to uh, work with CISOs to help them develop security plans. And I've been working along it and for the past five years, been working on those. But yeah, you're right. Not as many people know that. Right, but good, good point, though. This is, this is perfect because the reality is not many people do. But for those that really do, you've kind of got a trajectory trajectory, right, that's going to kind of get you there, mm -hmm. right? Um, but to, to put a fine point on it, very few people can say, oh, I want to be, you know, some people at this point might say, all right, I want to be a CISO in five years, mm -hmm. or this, like, okay, fair point, new field area, most most don't. So what I would say, whether you're in the camp of, I know exactly what I want to do, the career path becomes a little bit more clear. Mm -hmm. Those that don't, um, my advice would be don't worry about that so much because there are so many that don't, absent the anomaly. <laughs> there are so many that don't. But the reality is you sort of think through what am I good at, what do I like, and then what do I want to do now, mm -hmm. right? And that usually opens doors that you can't predict now. So back to your question, um, my advice would be, you know, let's just take, for example, somebody that was interested in the attack side, right? Um, to inform defense, right? So there's two pieces there. If you want to do full-on attack, well, then you got to go to the U.S. government and like, <laughs> or the government, whatever. You know, get the authorities to do it, right? Yeah. If you're going to do it, you know, out, outside the law, that's that's your own decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it's a career, you should be inside the law. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> however you want to look at that, just know that those exist, right? But the other side of it is, so if, if you want to stay on that side for attack, for let's say uh, you want to start reversing, right? reverse engineering. You're like, wow, I really like to look at stuff and tear them apart. All right. What I would suggest is either one, look for careers in the field that, where, that you can side saddle with people who are doing it and do exactly that. Right. 
So in other words, you know, look for those, we won't name organizations here, but look for those organizations that are out there sort of tearing apart things and finding vulnerabilities in them and either, you know, identifying the vulnerabilities in the pieces to either inform the, you know, producer of, you know, X thing with mm -hmm. X vulnerability, right? Um, or for, for good or um, do it as an assessment, right? Um, so let's say, you know, you're, you're reverse engineering an application, um, you know, media streaming application, right? There are organizations out there that focus predominantly on that. So get in with an organization that does that. If they don't have the skills yet, which is usually the first problem, um, this is where the aptitude really comes in, right? You can really focus on like, all right, we'll start. I mean, there are plenty of RE tools out there, debuggers, right, out there that you can pull down and start playing with them um, is sort of a the side piece. There's a second part to that, which, you know, attend conferences, right? Get training, like go do prove those skills. And I say that and, and, and to the audience, it might be like, well, that's wildly vague. Well, it, me, <laughs> right? um, here's where it isn't. What you can put on your resume or application or however you're applying to the company to get you in that field that you want to get into, the key is to be able to describe what you've been able to do. It doesn't necessarily matter so much, and this is, again, my opinion, but where you did it in that the fact that you have the aptitude to do it, right? So that could be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I debugged this one application in 35 minutes against you know, uh, 150 people who took three, the next, you know, number, I, I did in 35 minutes and somebody else did in four hours. All right, immediately you put yourself, you know, as a, yep, I've got the aptitude to do it for this type of application, right? Yeah. Applications are, you know, there's there's a lot of complexity in there, but the key is you can say, all right, well, this is, this, this is specifically the language it was in, whatever, right, you get mm -hmm. the point. But the idea is you can do that. So where I always stand philosophically on something like this, right? And this is something the audience could probably keep in mind. I'm a Stuart Brand fan, right? For those that don't know and look him up, right? Steve Jobs used to quote him all the time. He wrote a great magazine a long time ago. So, but the issue is he said, judge a hacker based on how they hack, not by the pedigrees or degrees that they have. And so when you're starting out, right? Yes, certifications, all those things, they, they do matter to a lot of companies. But to you, to demonstrate the, the aptitude to do it, right? is really important because if you want to do it and you want to get, you know, you're going to be moving along in your field, you know, for a while, mm -hmm. right. You want that internal drive and that, that sort of internal feedback that, yeah, I can do this. I really enjoy it. And I go and, and you'll start to seek out organizations that are hiring you for what you want to do and where you want to go versus jumping into organizations that might just fit a box right now. Right. That may not have a career progression that you want later on. So, you mentioned what you want to do, where you want to go. Um, earlier, we had a conversation of how you were preparing for uh, developing talent uh, in one of your previous lives. How did you help find those people that want to do what they want to do and bring them into your team? Yeah. And that's the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is because it's supply and demand, right? Yes. How does the demand, so those that know how to, that know what they want to do and need the skills, right? Those of your listeners need the skills to bring them in versus those that are out there, you know, that have the skills or have the desire, right? Or trying to get there. And how do you match those two up? <laughs> so whoever solves that problem and in like the easiest way, I'm all ears. Um, but some of the, some of the ways to do that, right? Are what we love to do is we go to conferences, Right. Um, we, we use our network, 
right? Ask, ask around. Um, we also, any type of inbound traffic, like anybody that's like, hey, these are the things I'm looking to do, we're always open to, to listening. And if not, if we don't have a place where we are, we then, you know, route to um, anybody else that might know. I mean, we've done that. Heck, last week alone, we had three people that had interest and, and we didn't have the, the, the fit, but we were able to link them up with uh, each individually, a handful of other companies. And one of them just wrote me this morning. It's like, yeah, they, they hired me because, you, you know, you got to link it up. So one is, you know, organizations uh, that have the talent, right. Or, or, or like-minded individuals kind of call it, a, you know, you know, ecosphere, <laughs> right. Of talent in one place, which are like conferences, uh, you know, meets, hangouts, places. I mean, nowadays there's discords or slacks, yeah, exactly. <laughs> virtual places, but yeah. yeah, that's one location. So marrying the two up there and just, you know, um, and then the other is, you know, through, through, through word of mouth and networking. And then of course there's always the job boards, right. Um, and I put that one third only because usually it, there's, there has to be sort of a one-to-one match through the intermediary, which is like the job board or the recruiter. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the, you know, depending on the, what you use in your language, right. Um, doesn't, line up. doesn't always line up. Right. <laughs> so, you know, in the middle person might not know this, this is true with large organizations. You know, we deal with very large organizations or I've been dealing with very large organizations my whole career over 20 years. And that's always the problem, no matter whether it's finance, accounting, right, um, specific engineering or cybersecurity, the, the, the manager of that, you know, posting, if you will, may not know, you might use language that they, you know, that they may not know, even though you're saying the same thing, there's no connection, it gets lost. And the other thing that might sometimes weed out is, you know, a specific set of certifications, or whatever that you may not have, but you're capable of doing it, don't have. So again, back to the problem of, you know, what you want to do, you kind of spend time with folks in, you know, in that area and get the word out, right? One of the biggest things that you can do is let people know what you're interested in and just, you know. So network, network, network is what it sounds like. (laughs) Never underestimate the value of, you know, who's in your ecosphere, right? Absolutely. So one of the questions we've had from our guest is, here we go. Right on. Cyber. Here we go. Cyberspace is so wide open. It's possible to follow your fashion. Find something that you really um, can do very well. Do what you love. And even if it's not technical. Can we? That's a great point. Very astute point. That helps divide something that usually is one of the biggest, the scariest things in security. Oh, I have to be super technical to do this. You don't. Right. If you want to do the technical work, you absolutely do. Right. Because obviously that's merit based. Right. Um, And you got to get it right. But there's a huge gap in management. Just people that understand the security issues. Right. What threats might be out there? Why a threat matters if there's an open vulnerability? What the impact of the organization is? That's not necessarily technical. Right. I mean, the vulnerability is right. The threat isn't. That's just risk management. Right. And that's the management piece. And it's such we're, we're, there's a dearth of talent out there, right? That just, that in between the technical space, which there's also a dearth of talent, right? <laughs> like you see the problem here, right? Yeah. Um, but that, that are in between normal, you know, what I would say non-security managers, right? And there's this huge gap there of people that just don't understand it. And so there's a, there's a lot of, uh, if you're not technical, right? But really understand this or enjoy sort of being, bringing a protective layer to an organization, 
and you understand what the engineers and others are saying, there's a huge need for that in basically risk management. And so, yeah, yeah that was a great, risk, that was a great point. Risk management, um, BC sales, business um, information security officers, those types of roles. So we, we talked about the aptitude and the attitude as your, your two core points. Um, so you find someone with the aptitude and the attitude. How, how do you pipeline them into your future organization? And then how do you keep that pipeline going up to the senior level and further? Great. That's a great question. So what, let me, I'll address that with, um, so I used to work for a very, 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 very large organization. <laughs> Effectively, its own, almost its own uh, country. Uh, let's just call it that. And so at that point, you know, what we were looking at was like, all right, we have to build this huge force, right, of people that are going to defend against, you know, our networks, you know, our, our critical infrastructure and things along those lines. So we had to think through that problem very hard. What, what I think the fundamental pieces where it comes down to, right, um, are you have experts in the field, right, um, that understand the fundamental pieces to get there and can lay that out. So and then the, the early career folks that are coming in and you have to make a, a pairing between the two. So this has two effects. So what I'm saying here is if you're in the field looking, right, and you found you, you know what you kind of want to do and, and you look at that, you're going to look for a career field. In that career field, you want to say, all right, if I'm at a sort of a junior level here, what are my roles and responsibilities? And largely it should be uh, merit-based, like hey, I have to prove my technical skills or, you know, demonstrate the ability to, you know, think through uh, management concepts, right, and then start to apply them. You know, that sort of um, mid-range there is a combination of those two, right? I can really demonstrate technical skills, but then I can manage either a team or a set of a problem or a set of problems, right? And then at the higher level, the senior level, you can aptly and quickly start to identify uh, problems at either the technical or management space very quickly, right? But then run multiple problems simultaneously, whereas a junior level, you don't. But the key here is that you always have a senior person matched up with a, you know, it's called junior or early career, right? So that they can see what the trajectory is and they know what good looks like. That philosophically is always a good thing, one, to look for as a candidate, right? But two, to realize when you're at the, <laughs> at the senior level, like, Send the ladder back down. That's right. Send the ladder back <laughs> and show what that ladder looks like, right? Here's rung one, two, and three, and don't make it. It doesn't have to be super complicated, right? And the, and the reality is that's wildly important because, you know, we were talking about this earlier, like security, you know, cybersecurity isn't necessarily new, right? Um, but it is a, a very new field in that most aren't aware of the fundamental components that go in this. But this is no different than like accounting was when, you know, we started collecting monetary figures and had to put them in a, in various jars. I mean, you're going way back, but like they all have some fundamental issue of like, what's the policy? What's the standard? What's the procedure? How do we get there? When it comes to career, you want to look for those things that fundamentally make sense to you, right? As an individual, like, okay, I know where I am now and I kind of know where I want to go. And do I have a hook into somebody that's, you know, that's there that I can see myself filling that role and, you know, it's I'm kind of describing the mentorship model. It doesn't quite work that way, but, you know. I was like, about to use that word yeah. to see if that's what you were going. Um, so mentorship, do you pair up your, your employees with mentors or whether inside your organization or outside your organization? So we do, yes. And I think one of the big keys here is that we can always learn from each other, right? 
Um, and if we really understand that, right, and we value the people that we bring into an organization, the one problem we need to solve for right away is the early career individual thinking that they don't know enough to say anything or to bring up stuff. You know, my whole career, whether it's here or somewhere else, it's always been known that the junior person usually has better insights sometimes than the senior because, like, fresh pair of eyes, new look at the problem. And so what I would argue is, um, you know, from, from a career standpoint, always look for those that where you can have sort of a, you know, an advisor, a mentor, or somebody to go, even a peer who may be at a senior level, you can go to have that conversation. But also at the senior level, you have to, you know, what I found wildly beneficial is you have a culture where the seniors are, you know, they really look at the, that, the whole team as peers leaning in on certain things. And it's, it's wildly helpful in this field because you never know, you, you know, it's changing all the time as we know. Yeah. It's really hard to keep up with, even at the senior level. So the concepts still apply, but like, oh, I didn't really know, you know, if I'm decrypting a hard drive, right, that I actually have to find the P list on, on an actual external hard drive. Like that doesn't actually exist. But you're, you know, you're not doing the work, right? You're largely putting that to, you know, somebody who's early career. Like, hey, forensically, check, you know, break into this hard drive. It's encrypted and tell me what the deal is. Yeah. Now you just learned something. So, you know, stay on and look for places and stay in a place where, you know, you're, you know, the seniority thing is there more for how much you can do conceptually and management, you know, manage, not necessarily, um, a uh, positional authority to tell you that you don't know anything. Mm, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a look at any additional comments before we wrap up. Um, great to hear industry leaders recognizing this. Great chat. Well, Ryan, thank, thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. Really do appreciate it. Um, looking forward to continuing to reading your book and sharing it around and um, continued success with Nubik. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thanks for thank having you very me. Thank you much. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Really appreciate the, the thoughts. Thanks, everyone. Bye.